Mate, 100%. The, the ability to be clean, I think it's a, um, a, a be high up with character and one of the traits and characteristics that recruiters look for is how clean you are in the contest and the ability not to fumble, um, be one touch. You're listening to the one-on-one football podcast, the number one podcast for Aussie rules, training, coaching, and development tips. Welcome back to the one-on-one football podcast. Andrew Raines here, founder of one-on-one football. And always, I'm joined by the co-host, Harry Simington. Welcome back, Harry. Thanks, Rainsy. Good to be back, mate. And, um, yeah, today for the first time on the show, we've actually got three generations of the of the coach-player relationship. Um, our guest, Shane Mo Woden, was, was your midfield coach at the Brisbane Lions, and you were obviously my head coach at the Suns Academy. Um, so maybe could you kick things off by just introducing Shane and, um, yeah, and, the, and the impact he had on your career, I guess, um, during your time at Brisbane? Yeah, known as, as Wowie, obviously his nickname, Shane by Woden. Um, he played exactly 200 games for Melbourne and Collingwood. Um, he actually played, which we'll cover in the episode, 100-plus uh, consecutive games from um, debut, which a lot of players, um, or a lot of people probably wouldn't know, and a lot of players actually don't do so. I don't know the exact stat of how many players have done that, um, but it's quite an achievement, and that comes down to his professionalism and what you hear about his training habits. Um, He won the 2000 Brownlow medal um, back in uh, the year 2000, obviously, and uh, it was just an incredible year for him. He talks about that and the success and the rise of the Demons getting in the grand final that year. He also won the best and fairest um, uh, that year also. He's uh, And then went on to form a really good coaching career, um, which I was fortunate enough to play under him at, at Brisbane, being my midfield coach, and Shane and I had a great relationship and um, was actually pivotal for me um, playing as a sort of a run-with tagging role in the back end of my career at Brisbane and working with Shane on, on sort of opposition analysis and how to play on different midfielders was, was um, amazing. And uh, yeah, he's um, he's just been a, a really good coach on his journey now, obviously, on the, on the platform. Yeah, for sure. And I think some of the um, he, he dives into a lot of that in the, in the episode. Um, a couple of things that I really took away from um, from from his insights was um, a little philosophy that he that he learned from from Simon Black, which was um, never be comfortable, always always training on the edge, um, always looking to improve, and that links in really well with what we've spoken about before on the show, which is working on your strengths and, and, and finding that point of difference and continuing to work on that, not just um, your your areas of improvement. Um, I thought he had a really good perspective on that, which um, which he'll, he'll go into uh, shortly. But um, another one, um, a little, little quote that he played by and coaches by now as well, which was train the way you play. And when you when you hear it like that, it sounds really simple. But I think the way the way he explained it was great. In in that there's um it's a, it's a mentality, and there's certain triggers that you can use to sort of pull yourself out of that monotonous mindset that sometimes come with with training. So um yeah, I think the the listeners are into um a real a real treat with um with 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 Shane's insights. And um yeah, with, without further ado, let's in let's jump into it. Uh, episode twelve with Shane Wowoden. Shane, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks for taking the time to, to join us on a uh, on a Wednesday evening. Yeah, my pleasure, Harry. Great to be here with you. Now, mate, um, on the show, we like to set the scene a little bit by um, getting to know the guests' history from their perspective. Uh, Wikipedia and media articles can only tell us so much. So um, I might get you to start by just giving the listeners a, a bit of a background on yourself. Um, you grew up in WA. Uh, both your parents are Ukrainian, I believe. Um, yes. My grandparents are. My father was born on the boat um, 
in Germany before they uh, ventured to Geraldton here in Western Australia. So um, yeah, Eastern European background, uh, mother side Australian. So um, yeah, I've always been known as a as a Ukrainian, particularly for my wife, who I get the head on every now and then. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the background from where the the, the name originates from. Um, but yeah, Western Australian. Um, spent a bit of time here. Obviously, ventured to Victoria to um, start a footy career, and spent ten years in Melbourne before returning back to Western Australia to finish off the career as a player with East Fremantle, where my career probably started from um, before I was drafted, and then um, got the bug. Well, not really bug. I wouldn't say it was probably more just oh, what's next after playing, and how do I stay involved in the game? And at, at that stage post-retirement and in transition, the corporate life wasn't for me and sitting behind a desk or trying to find what my next career move was. So um, to stay relative in the game was coaching was it. So doing all the necessary stuff to get myself um, up to speed quickly and go and coach my own team through some advice from Mick Malthouse, who was one of my coaches in my career. And, and then went to Brisbane for six years and spent some time there under Vossi and Lepper. Um, and probably spent uh, maybe a year or two too long in Brisbane um, just to probably further myself and enhance my knowledge and continue to grow and develop myself as a coach. And I think you can stay too long at one place um, where you can continue to develop and grow. And um, I wanted to move. And I was only probably stayed maybe because of my eldest son was only had a year to go in high school and I didn't want to upset his curriculum and life, so uh, which probably enabled me to stay. But then the soft cap came in in 16 and made it really difficult to move clubs. Um, and we weren't traveling that well. So probably um, us as coaches may be tarnished with a little bit of a stick because of our performances. But in the end, I end up coming home and um, bring the family back, which were, who were very excited to do it um, and continue my coaching, just not at elite level, more in a community level. and development of talent um, here, and, and that's where I've just stayed for the last five years. Yeah, there's some challenging times up there at Prison, mate, and I was obviously part of that, but um, but some great times too, and um, we'll delve a bit more into your, into your coaching um, shortly. Back to your playing days, mate. Um, a lot of footballers and probably a lot of our listeners dream of just playing sort of one game and making the debut for their favourite team or, or just any team, really. Um, but you played 100-plus games, uh, consecutive games from your debut, um, not too many players can say this. Um, what do you sort of bring that down to? I know that you know we had a lot of conversations when I was um, playing under you about professionalism and um, and things like that. So no doubt a lot of that involved. But sort of yeah, elaborate a bit more on that and uh, for our listeners, it might be sort of interesting that and start. It's it's quite a quite a, uh, a unique one and, and a great milestone to sort of have. Probably initially early result. As much as we all want to be picked up as an eighteen year old, my probably natural path didn't eventuate until I was 20 and at mature age, I missed out on those two drafts, which again, very disappointing at the time. But when you reflect on it, um, I wasn't ready, possibly. You think you are at the stage, but we're not physically, mentally, emotionally ready for AFL footy and probably not physically developed to be ready. But those two years as an 18, 19 year old to play waffle footy and senior footy at that stage against men and be physically ready, probably enhanced my debut season with the D's in 97. Um, and then, yeah, you, you work on 
and I think part of, and I was never a great junior, um, but the thing I always try to push myself is to ingrain really good habits, and, um, set standards, and have a work ethic that hopefully will stand you in good stead to when your hope, when your time hopefully becomes there. Um, so, so for me, having that two years of experience certainly helped, but then getting into the system. Um, uh, which I thought I had the habits already, but then it was just the learning of the senior players around you, which having better players around you only enables you to be a better player, I think. And the habits I had formed and ingrained um, through my work ethic and my commitment to the cause. And, um, and there's a bit of luck too along the way. You've got to be healthy and fit and be able to get there. And I think where Melbourne was at the time too in their development, we had the wooden spoon the first year. So um, playing younger players and kids um, I got a good start with Barmy on board and taking me in that first half of the season, which helped me um, get that first year over and done with. Yeah, absolutely. And we always talk about habits and, and little systems for um, for success on, on, the, on the show. Um, and it's no secret that behind every successful person is a, is a really strong support network. Um, were there any, I guess, um, specific assistant or development coaches um, who, who helped you establish yourself early in your, in your career? Or was it more just being around the elite environment um, that helped you, yeah, sort of embed those habits and, and take your game to the next level? Yeah, it's a bit of both, mate, I, I reckon. I'll, look, I'll be very, I was very fortunate um, before I was drafted to be involved with probably at the time the most successful organisation outside the elite system in East Fremantle um, in terms of premierships one. And, and Ken Judge was the senior coach at the time, uh, the late Ken Judge, who's uh, unfortunately passed, but a very disciplined coach, come from the Hawthorne um, breeding ground, really, who just was, success was part of the norm, wasn't it, really, in the 80s when he was playing and coming through with um, Yabby Jeans and the like. So, um, and as a young up-and-coming club and with our development programs in place at that time, they really put a lot of time and effort and resources around the youth of East Fremantle. So the relationship between our Colts and our seniors was very, very strong. Um, and it wasn't just a you know, five to eight o'clock training session. The young guys and the development programs they put in place, whether it be strength, um, conditioning, skill level, we were always doing more than what was needed or required at the time at a waffle-based club. So the habits there were ingrained really early. Um, it's probably why the club was so successful at the time. But then getting into the AFL system, um, and, and the resources weren't huge because it was just started to become and evolve into full-time footy in that mid to late 90s. So, um, yeah, but we had enough experience around us from a coaching background and more senior background with players to, um, um, to help us grow and develop and nurture as young players. Like I played with early stages Jimmy Steins, Gary Lyon, Todd Viney, Stephen Tingay, the Lovitz, the Phoebes, Primke, enormous names of Melbourne Footy Club back then. So um, that's who I got to learn off pretty quickly. Yeah, it's an interesting one. That one is like when you come to, even though I probably didn't have the success at Melbourne, um, like you're probably talking about the East, East sort of Frio days and, and the success there, but... I reckon as a young guy coming through and having those older guys, I was a bit like that at Richmond when I sort of went down to Richmond having some, again, we didn't have a huge success, but just those senior core players to sort of drive the standards. And then 
you know no else just to go out there and obviously need to perform and, and train hard and train more and, and, and that as a young guy. So obviously that helps you significantly and you launch yourself on the scene, mate. Um, obviously you always... I'll probably get asked the question about the Brownlow, so we'll, we'll touch base on on sort of that year and how that sort of just, I suppose, would be a bit of a whirlwind for you now, um, and then a, even more of a whirlwind two years later, sort of moving to Collingwood. Talk us about that sort of three, four, five year period in your career, sort of Melbourne establishing yourself, Brownlow, and then obviously uh, playing some grand finals at, at, at both clubs, um, and how that sort of uh, yeah came about, and how you how you sort of reflect on it these days, mate. Ah. Uh, Enormous times. I see myself when I reflect on my career playing as, as we all want to play at the one club and be a one club player and play 200, 300 games, whatever it might. Yeah, and that was always my intention and, and goal and aim to be able to do that. And unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But you reflect heavily on because I was fortunate enough to play at two wonderful footy clubs and learn so much. And two contrasting clubs look um, very different from a financial point of view where they were. Both at, you know, I got to train the Junction Oval and be in the worst facilities probably in the league at the time. Um, but you make of what you do, and that was us, and that's what um, we had, and, and we didn't whinge on it. That's what we were given, and um, we made the best of what we could. You know, we trained at morning, trained in the afternoons, summer venues all over the place, all around Melbourne all year. And then my second year at the Pies, and, you know, 18 months in, I'm at the Lexus Centre, you know, dealing with state-of-the-art facilities and how quickly that came on. So I was blessed on both worlds of how I see it. Um, early stages of D's was um, oh, just learning every year, just trying to establish yourself in, um, you know, something you, you know, I got to coach and be involved with Blackie a fair bit, uh, both here at East Romandle, but um, also at Brisbane there as well. He's one of the greats of the game and of the modern era and will go down as a, a legend. Um, but he, he, he's always said that he, he, he never got comfortable. He always feared failure and he never wanted to be that. Um, so he always played on edge all the time. And some players can get a bit comfortable with where they're at, but if they're always pushing themselves and... Um, not feeling comfortable, he just strives you to great things, and I think that's where Blackie was at his best all the time. So um, I, I never got comfortable early, even though I was playing consistent footy in week in, week out. I always felt like your spots on the line, um, uh, and but given roles early was really important and really great for my development. And I got to play on in my first season, run with roles against the best players in the comp, and geez, I learned a lot um, as a player. Uh, not just from a craft and individual point of view, but how the game's played by the greats. So it took a lot of that. Um, uh, and 2000 was a whirlwind. We, we made it a real pact as a group that was, was funny that in 99 in Cancun on our footy trip that the Melbourne Footy Club of 99 was never going to be that ever again. And so 2000 was going to be a year where we take strides forward as a playing group, as a collective, to be the best we can be drive standards um, and get to where we want to go and not be a club that yo-yos every year. And it, it happened again after 2000 again, but um, oh, 2000 was an unbelievable year. We were young, exuberant, energetic, fit. Weights wasn't a huge issue. It wasn't a big part of our program. We just felt through our high performance area that the, the running game was going to be us. Um, and with Neil Danaher's 
influence as a coach and how he let us play um, sort of culminated in a bit of success. And um, and as you know, momentum's a funny thing in footy, isn't it, in a season? And when you get on a roll, you get on a roll. And I think we won 10 of 11 to get away into a final series. And as a young group, probably um, catch Carlton off guard in a qualifying and get through that and then bash up North Melbourne a prelim and then find our way into a grand final. So, yeah, it was a, a, an exciting season for everyone really involved with the club at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and mate, I'd love to go a little bit deeper onto um, what you mentioned before about um, never being comfortable um, as a footballer and, and, and obviously something that you learned from Blackie. Um, we talk a lot on the show about, about working on your strengths. Like uh, a lot of young footballers can get obsessed with becoming uh, more of a, a well-rounded player um, that they can sometimes neglect actually working on the aspects of their game that, that they stand out in. Um, I'd love to sort of know, yeah, what was your, what was your one wood and, and, and what did you do to maintain it throughout your career? Um, yeah, the more detail, the better. Um, probably initially early, I think there was never anything specific um, from a craft, individual craft point of view, but I thought my concentration, my ability to work was holding me in good stead. Um, uh, so that was initially for me where I just had to hone my game in, okay, right, my concentration, my ability to um, be in the moment, be in the game and focus on my role and my task and what's required it then. Um, and then I think I, I started to build attributes to my game as I got better in my career. Um, because I probably didn't know where I sat when I first came into the system and where I was going to play my best footy. And then at the end of the day, it was, um, uh, was, a, was an inside mid. Um, so it felt like my effectiveness with the ball in hand. So whether by hand or by foot, I had to be clean and I had to use it and be effective with it. So um, I think my kicking in the day was on my left was I had to use that as my one would. So... Um, I mean that, and I agree 100% with you, mate. Particularly with young talent coming through, I think we can nitpick a hell of a lot with junior talent. And I think, if particularly from recruiting, when we start to look and hone into games of individuals, and if you watch too much of them, you start to look at the deficiencies and what they can't do. But actually, what what are their weapons, and what's their one where they can bring to the table that will complement themselves, but also complement the team as well. So, and not letting those players forget. What makes him a good footballer, but also what complements that group as well, as well. Yeah, no doubt, mate. The ability to, uh, I remember watching as a young guy, ability to sort of win, win in traffic and then get on the outside and, and finish off that left foot was definitely the one wood. Um, also, one wood, mate, was your your haircuts over the journey. Um, you know, cover, <laughs> talk us through the bleached hair and uh, and how how that sort of came about. The time, mate. Oh, mate, that interesting, really. Uh, living with Darren Cowell in early parts of the year, I ventured to a, a salon on, uh, in Glen Waverley, I think in the middle of 98. And I stuck, I decided, let, I'll just try something without going too far. So do you remember the old caps you whack on the head and then you yeah. pick through the holes to get the yeah. bits out? So that was the initial stage where, and it didn't show much and then, some players are going, mate, you've done a little bit, but maybe a little bit more. I then said, bugger it, one day I'll just go and just do the whole head. And um, it was probably too extreme, really, when I first did it. Did it for a year or so and then went, no, I'll just tone it down a little bit and then decided to do the foils. Um, and a full head of foils, and that's where the fat I went through for a little bit. And I think everyone goes through it. And, um, 
and then decided when I when I coach, I, I better actually grow up a little bit here and not actually start. So I end up just dropping it. The kids still want me to go back to it, but yeah, Oregon run it again. It's Oregon's done a bit of a. You see, few players in the AFL these days. Or the mullets are obviously back yeah, in. Yeah, huge. It's a bit of a stretch, but the um, I think the peroxide sort of bleach should have come <laughs> yeah. back for a bit and uh, oh, so thin now, bring mate. it back, it's, mate. Um, yeah. <laughs> still but, going uh, on. Yeah, just a. I think just little things we do, don't we, when we're late teens, early 20s, and, you know, try that, and then you, you try and a bit of ink here and there and a bit of piercing here and there. Well, solarium was big when I, when I was sort of moved to Melbourne. I think this, the, this, well, they're not probably in existence these days, but the old solarium, the old cancer box, so boys just sit, you know, sort of right in the middle of Mel, right in the middle of winter and get a, a, um, a nice little tan in one of those boxes. Time. In Richmond and in South Melbourne. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, a few little tips. Didn't go the full bleach, but yeah, a few yeah. little tips. That, but my hair is pretty dark, so it was going a bit orange. So, um, yeah, yeah, struggled so a bit was, there. Um, they were a huge thing back in the time. And um, someone, you know, someone always said, look good, feel good, play good, wasn't it, in the days? and um, Exactly. Yeah, just to make yourself feel a bit better in the midst of winter in Melbourne when you're pale skin, but to... Run under lights, you've got a bit of <laughs> colour to yourself. <laughs> a little bit better. It's all about, yeah, exactly. why not? Why not? about the mental game. A bit of fun had as a young 20-year-old. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mate, did, keeping with the the, um, the outside footy theme, did, did you have an escape from the game, um, a, a hobby or something that used to take your mind off footy? The, the haircut might suggest, suggest surfing. Um, was there anything that you that you sort of used to um, yeah, escape from, from the game? Yeah, well, I... Um, I'm not sure how other clubs went it. There were some real traditional clubs back in the time and particularly off field. And I reckon, excuse me, in the late 90s, early 2000s, I, I thought us as Melbourne, we were really big as a connection point off field. Um, um, Kangas were good at it. I'm not sure how Richmond were back in the time, Rainsy, but um, uh, with Daffy and Richo and that, they, they would have been, and Cambo, they would have been huge too. But off field, and the connection points were massive, I thought, and it probably played a bigger part back then than what they do now. I'm not sure, really. But um, for us at the D's at the time, we felt our off-field connections. And, and back then, when it was early stages of full-time, study, work weren't really huge and wasn't really pushed by the AFLPA. So the social part of it was big. So for us at the D's at the time, getting to as many cafes and having coffees with each other or getting the jam factory and watching a movie together um, or hitting the golf course, which was a big part of the D's back then. You know, you rock up on your day off to a golf course and there's four or five groups of us playing on the same time. So um, they were the escapes for us, um, getting down Fitzroy Street and having a coffee with the group after training the junction or getting down into the Bayside area. And most of the boys live down that way. So getting to the, the cafes down in Brighton and, um, Elwood and the things, they were our escape places away. And, and because we didn't live at the Junction Oval all day, we could do that. Um, bit different when I got to the Pies and when you're training full time at the place for the entire day, getting out and escaping as a group wasn't a huge thing, a um, little bit different. We just wanted to get home and get to the family or whatnot. So that's what we felt as a group uh, at the D's was, was part of us and what probably bonded us really well. Absolutely, yeah. I remember those days. It sort of you spend a lot of time with each other, and, you, and people you say, "So, do you actually get sick of each other?" Sort of on reflection, yeah, probably times. But I think it's um, really important for young footballers these days, and they get on a 
Elisa or even in their junior sort of stuff too, uh, coming through just to spend as much time with your with your playing group as possible. You end up, you know, forming lifelong relationships, um, which is yeah, which is what we sort of used to do, I suppose. And mate, moving into uh, moving into your coaching stuff Sorry, now, um, just it only helps your uh, enhance your relationships on field. Oh, absolutely. I think just that connection, isn't it? Sort of the more time you spend with someone, the more you get to know them, and and that sort of connection and. Um, yeah, the coffee team was huge, I reckon, in Melbourne. Always sort of where we going for lunch or coffee straight off the train. Yeah, I say to my um, players now, like Jeff White, yeah, it, it was our ruckman. So, you know, we had to be on the same page all the time and that little connection and network. So, uh, it, Whitey makes you look good on, on field and, um, and you had to make him look good. So that's the connection piece. Um, and then obviously with the midfield stuff that we do build the relationships with, um, you know, it's a wink and a nod here and there, and that's what forms. That's what becomes great teams when the relationships on field are a complement of what you do off field. Off field. Yeah, spot on. And I remember trying to bring that a bit in in Brisbane um, from a, being the midfield coach, and I played under under you for uh, quite a few years there, mate, and thoroughly enjoyed it um, as you as a coach. And we uh, we tried it. We we're probably a pretty young group, but he said to a few older sort of with with a few older guys and, and Blackie and those sort of guys coming through and then a lot of younger guys. So it was a bit of a sort of a mix. But um, watching sort of these days the the midfielders uh, go around, obviously it's changed a fair bit when when, uh, we're, when we were at Brisbane. The, I think the modern-day midfielders starting to come through when your bottom pallies and Clayton Oliver's now, these types are sort of coming through and, and just that sort of big 190-centimetre um uh, midfields, but there's still you know Lockie Neal's running around and, and and sort of the Zorko obviously was a terrific player at Brisbane. Um, what's in in your view these days the, the sort of the some good attributes of midfield that that they have to have? I don't think much has changed, but just watching the game these days, what do you, what do you think the the fundamentals have got to be and and, and the quality in in a midfielder? Mate, hundred percent the the ability to be clean. I think it's a. Um, I, I, be high up with character and one of the traits and characteristics that recruiters look for is how clean you are in the contest and the ability not to fumble, um, be one touch. Interviewed Lockie Neal a few times on radio, post games, and whether he's at Free Old Brisbane or what it may be, but how hard he works on his game. And he's not big in stature, he's not gonna be busting through packs and be you know kicking on the run at 50 and doing all those things, but he knows his capabilities and he knows his strengths and to be clean the contest and not fumble and distribute to his players is his number one thing and he works really hard on that. Um, that's why he's so good. Uh, I think you, I think a lot of kids these days when they get to training and whatnot, they just focus so heavily on kicking, you know, pre-training before warm-up, let's just kick and kick and kick, and which is great, but how much extra work you're doing on your hands whether it's handballing or touch or whatever it may be, but how often you don't have the ball in your hand or an opportunity to have the ball in your hand, you fumble it. Um, so for me, that's that's number one as a midfielder. Um, and then your body positioning, the ability to use your levers and your body around the contest to um, be in a better position or get off your opponent um, and separate the contest. Or if you're out of position, how do I get myself into a more dominant position? So, you know, the old engage, separate stuff, Rangy, that we used to do. So the, the, the technical aspects of the craft of using your body and positioning around the ball is really, really important. Um, and then the last bit's the pop, the ability to get out 
um, and get to the next contest, which um, a lot of kids these days sort of admire the ball when the ball travels around, that rather than actually work to the next contest and what that looks like, they can sort of get distracted a bit. But they're the three things for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, and mate, we were talking off air a little bit about your um, about your coaching career. You've been coaching for 12 years now, um, an assistant coach in the AFL system with Brisbane and then um, the head coach for both East Fremantle and North Fremantle. Um, how have you found coaching your own team in comparison to being an assistant coach? Um, do, do you enjoy more of the, the individual development, like you spoke about then, um, with, with the craft or um, the technical side of the game? Or um, is it more uh, head coaching that, um, that you sort of find your, your coaching passion with? Oh, I think it's a bit of everything, really. So for me, um, I've got great advice as to how I want to start my coaching journey. And, and Mick always said to me, go and coach your own club first, no matter what level it is. And look, I was very fortunate when I finished East Romano playing that I got the senior gig straight away um, uh, into coaching East Romano from the get-go. Uh, and I learned a lot in the first year and got some great feedback from players as to where I needed to be better, uh, whether it's off-field or on-field or how I coach or how I teach or educate. Um, so they were really good fundamental learning years for me um, and you know, got better in my third year and probably didn't really start to um, get the best of myself until my third year, but that's what you do. You learn as you go along. Um, I, I, I love match day as a senior coach. Love it. I just think um, all the grunt work's done during the week in your preparation with your coaches to be able to do um, and get the players prepared. But the the tactical work on Saturdays, box v box, um, and the ability to communicate and with players on game day and be in that competitive environment, I really, really enjoy. Love it, in fact. Um, as an assistant, you could cop a pen in the head or getting yelled at from the senior coach. Um, but that the assistant coach is probably more the connection with the players more so, which I thoroughly, which is the best bit about being an assistant coach is whether it's training and during a week or game day, you are with your players. Um, probably, and you're probably more looking at it individually where um, as a senior coach, you, you, the overview from more of the strategy side of things is, um, is, is the bit that, okay, if this is not working, what am I doing next? With the coaches to be able to get the best of our group or let's contest offense how's our defense going so yeah there's pros and cons with both um and i loved them both you know you, as an assistant coach you're still learning and growing and taking things from senior coaches and of what you're learning along the way um and, and you never stop learning i, I think um, what have i been now so it's 21 i've been coaching for you know, 14, 15 years, and um, and I, I'm still learning coaching kids these days and coaching North Fremantle in 21 than what I did when I first started at East Fremantle in 07. Yeah, spot on, mate, and obviously available um, on our platform, one-on-one football, um, in person, uh, and, and with our new feature now too, um, virtually, so if there's any footballers around the country, tap into some of the nows, it's been um, all the words of advice or wisdom tonight, um, then surely uh, book, book Shane for a session. Um, can you talk to our listeners just a bit about sort of what, what you've sort of done in, in, in our sessions of the one-on-one platform and sort of what, what could some of the uh, players expect in some of those sessions? Yeah, um, and, and been a lot of fun. I've had a couple of kids who have been um, 
on a journey with me. You know, I've, I've had a kid who, when I was um, involved in another private academy full-time a few years back now, he started just coming to camps and whatnot, but um, trapped me down one-on-one. Uh, he's now 13, but he's a fine young player. But the skills he had as a 10-year-old were extraordinary. Um, but now three years on, where he is with his football and um, he lives in the country and comes up every fortnight to, or three weeks to have a session. Um, but I work um, really heavily on the fundamentals with the kids and I've never seen them when they come to me initially. So that first introductory session is what they're like um, from a skill point of view and a fundamental point of view, more from a technique. Um, and we speak about standards and ingraining and building really good habits early, which will only hold them in good stead as they get to 15, 16, 17. So, um, and whether or not it be something in their kicking, whether it be um, on, on impact or on their follow through, um, or might be with their foot or their leg acceleration. Um, um, but the big thing about organising their feet, we, that was one thing I learnt at Brisbane, um, Rangey, which you can take into all parts of your game, whether it be marking, at stoppage, in general play, with your kicking, about how you've got to organise your feet to be in better positions. Um, so you're teaching young kids the fundamentals or coaching cues around those things, which are really, really important to build the habits. Um, and then just gradually build it. Um, we're not in a rush to do it, but um, we're just making sure those habits are ingrained and formed and become really habitual. So, you know, they're in games, they can actually concentrate and focus on it. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it really is all about the, the relationships that you, that you build. It's, it's great to hear that um, you describe your coaching as going on a journey with a player because that's, um, you know, that, that's what a, a, an AFL career will be like. And um, you're obviously exposing them to, to such um, such great coaching, but but also mentoring as well. Um, you can be a, be a bit of a sounding board for um, for the players that you're that you're working with. Um, now, mate, before we finish up here on the pod, um, we love quotes and um, and values. Uh, we we spoke to Paul Bevan on the last episode about um, about the Bloods culture at the Sydney Swans and and, and how those values have um, influenced his life post football. Um, I'm putting you on the spot a bit here, but I'd love to know if you have any favourite quotes or um, or are there any particular values that you live by, whether it's um, with your coaching or um, in your personal life? And if so, what are they and, and, and who did you learn them from? My, my big one I tried to really push, and it's a really easy one, and I've had it forever, and I push it to kids and um, train the way you want to play. Um, that, that's my biggest one. Um, oh, I think everything that we do during the week only sets us up for what we do on game day. Um, we train poorly, we train with no intensity or a lack of urgency. We're only going to, those habits are formed and we're only going to play like that. And you can see the passive players when the juniors, when they, they do that on game day. Um, um, but f- for me, that's been the biggest one. I've been trying to really educate kids and that's what I built my game on is, um, as I said, never outstanding junior, but what I want to do is become an elite trainer. Um, and I certainly learnt that again when I got to AFL level off Viney, Tingay. These, this is how you're supposed to train. Got to Collingwood, another level again under Nathan Buckley. You know, I thought I trained really hard and um, trained with great purpose and great urgency at Melbourne. Um, I got to Collingwood, it, it was another level again. So. That's why you always continue to learn and learn off the best. So 
and Nathan Buckley was an elite trainer, um, and that's why he became a champion of the game. So um, the best players do their best work during the week and just let themselves shine on game day when they're in the moment. So yeah, for me, it's train the way you want to play. Is that is that a mentality? Is it just is it just a mental thing, like an intensity, or did you um, did you have any? little tricks that you'd use to sort of get yourself into the mindset. We talk about like white line fever when I step over the white line, that's that's when I'm when I'm on. Um, is is it is it just a, a mentality and intensity thing? There's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of finding triggers. For me it was riding on my hand early stages and on the tape just to because sometimes you can just fall into a bit of um, false sense of security in game and just as I said a bit earlier, just admire the game and the ball going around the field. But how how do you how do you snap yourself back particularly from a, a work rate point of view. Um, you know, it might be a run with role where you're concentrating on a better player, but um, sometimes you can just catch yourself gazing a little bit in a game and not focusing. So what's that trigger? And we're all different um, and we're all in what that can be. But for me, it was just to write a couple of things on my hand um, early days, just to refocus me, get myself back in them. Sometimes you get it from your players, your teammates, your coaches, but for me, um, I wanted to be in the moment all the time. That's that's brilliant, mate. I think, and too, the training element too, because sometimes you can rock up the training and another day, another session, whatever it is, or you know, especially kids if they've been at school or have a big day or whatever, and you can just go through the motions too. So, um you know, triggers and, and different things to mix up um, to find that. I, just, I reckon that's just pure gold, just trying the way you want to play. And it's, it's old school, um, but it's it's the, the simple things in footy. Is, I think we, the time. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's spot on. I firmly agree in it. And, um, and only learning, educating off being around and um, jumping on the back of someone who does that really well. And that's how you learn. And... Um, that's how I certainly learnt is, and there's a little bit of the mental side of things that, you know, it's, it's in me anyway. I've, I've always felt like that's one of my strengths I can go back to is, um, is a work ethic and a, maybe because I've did it a little bit harder than some talented ones early stages that I've had to fight for a little bit more. So it just becomes then part of what I do on the footy field, footy field. Oh, excellent, mate. And, um, that's about time tonight, mate. I think um, we've just touched on, so we could probably keep talking all night, which is amazing. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's great. It's just it flowed brilliantly, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. We got a lot of coaches listening too, so local coaches and parents, and, and obviously footballers too. So some some uh, absolute gold, as I said before, in there. And uh, we really appreciate you giving up your time and um, and some of the work, obviously, you're doing uh, for us has has just been outstanding. Those little stories that you said before about. The young fella comes up from the country. That's just what it's all about. And, um, and yeah, we can't thank you enough, mate. So appreciate your time again. And, um, yeah, look forward to hopefully catching up soon. Yeah, my absolute pleasure, guys. No, thanks very much. Great opportunity and uh, only happy to pass on knowledge and, and share it with the, the next generation. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, mate. Please, guys. Thanks for listening to the one-on-one football podcast. If you got something out of today's episode, we'd love it if you could leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to stay updated on special guests, new episodes and more, please subscribe to the show on your chosen platform. And finally, if you have any questions for Rainsy or myself, or you want to get a particular guest on the show, please reach out. Our email address is podcast at one-on-onefootball.com.au. Thanks guys, we'll see you for the next episode.